listening to Say It Southern, aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. Our partner, Renaissance Bank, has locations all throughout the Southeast. There's a good chance that if you're listening to this podcast in Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, or North Florida, there's probably a Renaissance not too far from you. If you're looking for a bank that understands you and your financial needs, check Renaissance out at renaissancebank.com or on social media. We have such a treat for you this week. We're talking with a freelance writer specializing in beauty, fashion, and the royal family, y'all. Based in Birmingham, Alabama, her work has appeared in Elle, Cosmopolitan, Southern Living, and InStyle, just to name a few. She is also the editor of What Megan Wore blog, host of Podcast Royal, and works as a royal correspondent, y'all. This is so fun and so exciting. So please join us now as we say it Southern with Rachel Birchfield. Rachel, thank you for coming on today. It's so nice to meet you. It is such an honor to be here. I've been a listener for such a long time. I love me some Say It Southern, so thank you for having me. Yay! <laughs> All right, so let's we got to get into this because I feel like there's a lot of information here that we need to cover. Oh, yeah. So how does a woman sitting in Birmingham, Alabama, become a royal correspondent? That is... A great question. So my love of the Royals goes all the way back to childhood. My mom was a diehard fan of Princess Diana. And so I feel like I was kind of born into it. And then, so Prince William was born in 1982, Harry in 1984, and I am 1986. So I grew up with the boys. And I had the biggest crush as a child on William. I dreamed of being the American princess, as I'm sure so many other little girls did. And I've just been a royal fan my whole life. And I mean, pre- Kate Middleton, pre-Meghan Markle. And so I have always loved them. And I started a blog called The Duchess Commentary about Kate and Meghan back in 2019. Then in 2020, I became the editor of What Meghan Wore, which is a site that kind of delves into Meghan's style and her work. And then from there, it just kind of took off. And what Megan Moore has done so well, I'm not the founding editor. That is Susan Quarter, but I am the editor. And I got noticed there. And then it's just kind of snowballed from there. I've, been, I've written about the royals in Vogue, Elle, Glamour, and Style, everywhere. And, it's, and, and I get asked all the time, what part of the city do you live in? Meaning London. And I'm like, well, did y'all not realize that I say y'all and I, <laughs> and I don't sound like I'm from the UK? And, uh, and I'm glad I've gotten fooled. But no, I'm right here in Birmingham, Alabama, telling the story of the British royal family. That's crazy. And it really is crazy because I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of like a historian. You've got to know the whole picture. So, I mean, from a little girl, did you study the family tree? Did you know who was connected yeah. to who? Yes, and that is why I think that I have been able to do what I've been able to do is because, sure, you can report on what's happening today, but 
to really tell the story, just like with any family, right? You have to know the context. And it's not just like why Harry chose to do what he did in terms of leaving the family. There's so much context there that goes all the way back to his mother's death because she was being chased by the paparazzi in a Paris tunnel. And so there's, and the reasons why William waited, gosh, like almost 10 years eight years to marry Kate is because his parents' marriage was so, quite frankly, awful that he wanted to make sure he got it right. And so there's the context there, the historical context is what I think has allowed me to have the career that I've had. So did you, what's your background? Did you know that you wanted to be, like when you were a little girl, were you like, I, I want to be a princess. I want to follow this family. Or did you, <laughs> did it kind of caveat from your journalism background? Well, I mean, the princess thing was pretty like, clearly much not going to happen. But, um, so I have a journalism degree. That's what my undergrad degree is in. And so I graduated in 2009 from college. And that was, if you'll remember at the height of the great recession, and I've always wanted to write print journalism for newspapers and magazines and, I was told not so, um, like very, like incredibly frankly, that newspapers were dying. And so I actually went to graduate school to kind of give myself a backup career because what I wanted to do, you know, the, by 2009, the magazine heyday was over yeah. and newspapers were in fear of crumbling and, in the economy at the time. And so I had a whole other career for eight years in education before, like I was actually, I don't even know if y'all know this, but I was the Panhellenic advisor in charge of all of the sororities at Ole Miss. And so I had a whole other fascinating career. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a podcast right there. (laughs) Three shorts. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but, um, Long story short, I kind of, um, I, I I'm, live in Birmingham and I moved to Jackson, Mississippi for a relationship that did not end up working out. And I kind of had, when I was 31, I'm 34 now, I kind of had a reckoning of my life. My personal life was in shambles and I, I realized that I wasn't doing what I really wanted to do in my professional life. I had been freelancing for a few years and I said, you know, I'm at rock bottom and the only way to go is up. And here's what I want to do. I want to write full time. So I became a full time writer in 2017 in that season of my life. And I have been at it ever since. So it's almost four years now. And just, you know, I will tell you that COVID is is terrible. But one silver lining of the pandemic is that the big magazines like your Vogue, your Vanity Fair, have realized that you don't have to be in New York City or LA to do this work. I mean, obviously, look at me. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, and I have a successful career covering the British royal family. You can really be anywhere and do anything if you have the grit and the perseverance and the talent behind it. Mm-hmm. Love that. You're an insider, but you're in Alabama. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's so funny. I, I told you all before we started recording that a British tabloid a couple weeks ago called me a palace insider, and I don't know how I should break it to them that I've let a, I've never been to the palace. I've never even been to London. So <laughs> I was trying to break it to them that, 
you know, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call me a palace insider, but I certainly have the passion. But it's interesting though, because if you don't call yourself a palace insider, I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of stuff and let's dive in because Sarah's got a page and a half of notes. She, I've got to say that she, <laughs> of, of the two of us, she is, she's definitely passionate about, um, I'm a bit royalty. of a, I'm a bit of a history nerd. I love history. <laughs> yeah, well, so do I. And this is this is history with a kick. This is this is mm. fascinating history. This is history with a lot of personalities involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, I don't know if we want to get in this royal family, but Let's I kind of want to go back to the very beginning because, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I believe that the royal family, while they're in London, they're German, right? And they broke off. Yes, so, they're... Yes. So actually in 1917, they changed their name to Windsor because they are German. They do have German roots. And if you remember in history what was going on in 1917, we were in World War One. And so it was not a good look for the royal family of Great Britain to have a very German sounding name. So they have only been the House of Windsor for a little over 100 years, for 104 years since 1917. So you're right. They do have German roots. But I feel like that's when all the drama started because the king at the time, I guess, I mean, he was kind of like a self-proclaimed king, right? Like broke off from and basically left his brothers being like, see ya, Germans, and like had this whole new identity and like basically just was like fake and just was like, I'm leaving everybody behind and I don't care what happens to you. You do know your history. I love that. But I feel like that's when all the drama really started for this family. Yeah. So I actually start my kind of expertise area around that time. And specifically in 1936, when everything kind of hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And so, Sarah, I bet you know what happened in 1936, the abdication. Yes. Oh, do not ask me. (laughs) Listen, I could not play Trivial Pursuit on this subject. I really couldn't. And it's embarrassing, but... Sarah and I could win thousands of dollars in Royal Family Trivial Pursuit together. Only if you're on my team. Only if you're on my team, Rachel. Oh, yeah. We're on the same team. We're on Team Stay at Southern. (laughs) Okay, there we go. All right, so 1936, what happened? So 1936... Uh, the king at the time, King Edward, he decides he's he's put up kind of in a Prince Harry-esque decision. Do I choose love or duty? And he chose love. And he married a twice-divorced American mm-hmm. named Wallace Simpson. Well, actually, he married her in 1937, but he left the throne in 1936 for her. And so that changed the entire line of succession, Right. Because it was going to be him that was that was carrying the line. And any children he had would be the heirs, which actually he never had any children with Wallace. So the the line would have eventually gone to Queen Elizabeth, but it just would have taken probably longer until he died. But anyway, so that's when Queen Elizabeth's father, King George VI, became king. And then that set her up to become queen. She was never supposed to be queen. That was never in the cards until 1936. She was a princess, much like um, like her father was the equivalent to Harry. He was the spare, right? But that changed everything. And so that set up the queen to eventually become the queen that she is today. 
Mm-hmm. And this is when I think it's fascinating because I love Margaret. So I feel like at this oh, time, Margaret this is, is when it got... I'm sorry? Margaret is a character. Yeah, she's my favorite of the whole royal family. And I think that it's so interesting because I, and I feel like it's so sad. I feel like she has the saddest story, saddest life of any of the royals. Um, just yeah. because of that time, like to go from being... I mean, she's already princess, you know, I guess behind Elizabeth anyway... But they were living a normal life until this happened. And then all of a sudden, like, she's basically just, like, cast aside. Yeah, you, yeah, I mean, well, normal is a loose term. Up until that point, they were, Elizabeth and Margaret, treated as equals. But then when Elizabeth became the heir presumptive, everything changed. And suddenly she was being groomed to be the queen and Margaret was kind of left in the dust. And, you know, if you look at their personalities, it was really Margaret whose personality was more set up to be a a queen because she was so much more vivacious and outgoing and Elizabeth was more introverted. And so Margaret always said, you know, Elizabeth doesn't even, you know, feel like she wants this job as a child I want this job, but I can never have it because I'm the second born. There's there's a book to be written there about the heir and the spare dynamic. Just it's always been so complicated. So this William Harry thing there, you know how they say there's nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. There has always been heir and spare dynamics going on. Yeah. And William and Harry remind me of Elizabeth and Margaret, their personalities and everything. Their temperaments, everything about them is is almost identical. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. <laughs> this is amazing listening to y'all do this, this podcast. <laughs> I, Courtney, Courtney, we love you too. Listen, can you <laughs> just... Like Courtney's like the third wheel on a really good first date. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm just like drinking my tea and listening to you guys. Um, really, Rachel, you should be hosting this podcast with Sarah today. I should have like taken the day off and y'all done like a, a, just a royal episode because you have your own podcast, right? I do have my own podcast and thank you for saying that. It's called Podcast Royal. We'd love to have your Say It Southern listeners come join us over there as well. And we're just proving every day. My co-host and I met in the Junior League of Birmingham, so we're just proving every day that you can be a Southern woman and love the royal family and know what you're talking about. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Okay. Well, aside, let's keep from going. All, aside from all the history, I mean, we could we could go on and on about all this forever, we like really the history. Could. But there's so much other. Like I want to know about the jewelry and things like that. Now here's where I can contribute. Yes. Now Courtney's <laughs> coming in. <laughs> Because they don't really, like, it, they'll say, like, this is Queen Elizabeth's, you know, we just saw the pearl necklace at the funeral that was everywhere that Kate Middleton wore. So, but that jewelry that they say is Queen Elizabeth's, really not, it doesn't belong to her, right? It doesn't belong to um, to Kate, no. So they, it's the, called the crown jewels. And so they, it's kind of like, think of a big jewelry library. You can go in there and you can rent it out, but you don't own it. And you have to give it back. But who and, picks it out? Like, is it like if they say this was Queen Elizabeth's pearl necklace that she was wearing that Kate wore as a tribute? But yeah, was it really something that Elizabeth picked out and loved, or was it just something that, like you're saying, is just in the library and they got somebody's name slapped on it? It was very likely given as a gift. A lot of the crown jewels were given as gifts from, like, I'm thinking right now, I just, because, so Elizabeth just had a birthday on April 21st. And so 
She has, um, I was reading an article about this gorgeous necklace that she got for her 21st birthday from South Africa and how it was one of her favorite pieces. So she very often gets her jewelry as gifts from nations like South Africa or wherever. And so then it's all stored in the crown jewels. And then, you know, there's, there's a very, very real um, thing called fashion diplomacy. And so whenever, whatever you see the Royals wearing, whether it's clothes or jewelry, there is nothing that has not been meticulously thought out and planned. So what Kate wore for Philip's funeral, for example, I think that's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was 100% meticulously chosen by Kate and her team and her designers and her um, courtiers and to make a statement because before we saw the Royals on Zoom so much, and definitely before we saw the Royals on Oprah, we very rarely heard them speak. And so the way that the women of the royal family would speak is through their clothing and their jewelry. And so they would send messages. I mean, Diana is a prime example of this. Diana sent very hidden and sometimes not so hidden messages. Like I'm thinking of her black sheep sweatshirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they send very clear messages through their clothes, because oftentimes we don't get to hear the women of the royal family speak, which is a whole other podcast, but we hear them through what they're wearing. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, one of the little girls wore the brooch that it was a horse at the funeral. I'm, I'm just thinking about the funeral right now, like as a tribute to her grandfather. Anyway, you're right. <laughs> yep, yep. That was that was Louise, and and so okay, let's go a little deeper on that. Just take that as an example. So Louise, who is uh, Edward and Sophie's daughter, she and her grandfather, Philip, they bonded through carriage riding. And she actually inherited Philip's carriages. So she wore that horse piece of jewelry because the horses were what connected them. So everything has a meaning. Everything has a message. There is no stone left unturned in fashion and, and jewelry when it comes to the men of the family. So how much do they have, like, you're saying that, that they have a voice in what they're wearing and, you know, but really how much do they? I mean, is it like, Kate, you're wearing navy, you're wearing this, you're doing that, and do you approve? Or is it like she comes in and says, I want to wear that, I want to wear navy, I want to wear, you know, like how much is... I think it's a mixture of the two. I don't think that you're ever going to see any woman of the family wear anything she's not comfortable with. Okay. And, you know, the colors are like, let's say that they go on a tour. I'm thinking, right. So William and Kate are about to celebrate their 10th wedding anniversary this week, which is so exciting. And so I'm thinking about their first royal tour to Canada back in 2011, if you remember that. Yes. And how she how she wore a lot of red, Sarah. Yes. And, and Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'm sorry. Still here. And, Still here. And <laughs> How, how she wore a lot of red, and of course, why is that? Because, you know, the Canadian flag is is red and white, right? And so I think that Kate has, and Megan, well, I don't know about Megan's life now. I'm talking about Megan as a working royal, have a team that probably, just like your celebrities, they lay out looks for them, and they give them, like, three, four options, and then I'm sure it's Kate that makes the final call, though. Mm-hmm. I'd be in that jewelry <laughs> the library yeah. just sitting there like oh, let's I mean, try this you on just imagine being a royal bride to be oh. and going into the crown jewels and and being told okay pick out your tiara for your wedding and just like I mean seeing the oh I just get chills thinking about it just seeing all the crown jewels laid out before you it's just 
Yeah. Incredible to think of that. So let's talk about the crowns then. So does everybody have their own crown? Like when Kate married William, did they, did she have a crown that is now Kate's crown? Not, no, is the, is the short answer to that. So again, it goes back to the crown jewel. So they're all kept under lock and key in a vault as, as they should be right. Because Mm -hmm. they're incredibly expensive. And so Kate wears different tiaras, Mm -hmm. but an interesting fact about tiaras, by the way, did you know that only married women can wear them? No. No. So Beatrice and Eugenie, before they were married, they had, they, they could not wear them. They, that remember the hats Mm -hmm. from the 2011 wedding that got so much press and, backlash they they couldn't wear them until they were married of course they're both married now but so kate tends to favor kate is the duchess of cambridge right Mm -hmm. so she tends to favor this tiara called the cambridge lovers knot tiara and it's one that actually diana wore quite a bit as well but that's not kate's kate kate does not own that and she's not the only one that can wear like the queen if she wants to go in there tonight and pull out the cambridge lovers knot tiara she can and another fun fact about tiaras is they can only be worn after 6 p.m. So you're never going to just see someone parading around at 1 p.m. Um, and, and, and so, you know, take Trooping the Color, the Queen's public birthday celebration in June. They come out on the balcony, right? Uh-huh. And they're not wearing tiaras. They're just wearing hats. Well, why is that? Because shouldn't the queen always be in a crown? Well, that's because that happens during the day and they can't wear that until after 6 p.m. So they only really come out at state dinners and formal functions in the evening. Ooh, interesting. Okay, here's my question. Who made these rules? Yes. (laughs) So, and, and here's something we need to think about because the queen is very much a first child, oldest child, rule follower, okay? She is very bound by protocol. And when the queen's reign ends, which I don't like to think about, but she's 95 years old, so that's going to happen someday, the whole rules could change. Charles could come in and throw the whole rule book out. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to keep a lot of them, but um, why I was in the tabloids the other week is because I said that when Charles becomes king, a lot of things should modernize, like especially the way that they treat women that marry into the family. That Again, a whole other podcast, but um, they are very protocol bound. And that's because the queen is very much a woman of tradition. Wow. Okay, let's talk about a woman who's not a woman of tradition. That would be Miss Meghan Markle. And so you yes. are um, you are editor of the blog What Meghan Wore, correct? I am, yes. Okay, so here she is. She comes in. She marries Harry. Harry, I would always say, I mean, my, my little bit of knowledge, is kind of a do it his own way, non-traditionalist in the first place, I think. And then he, he finds Megan. They married. They met in the United States, correct? On a special. No, Olympics. they met in the UK on a blind date. Oh. <laughs> they, they met on a blind date in London. Okay. And so, how long did they court? They met at the end of June, early July of 2016. And. They officially announced their engagement in November of 2017, but according to Finding Freedom, which is an Ovid Scobie, Carolyn Duran book that came out last year, 
they got engaged in August of, tw- of 2017. So that would be a little over a year before, uh, from when they met until when they got engaged. And then they announced it publicly, their engagement in November of 2017. And then they got married in May of 2018. So they're about to celebrate their third wedding anniversary in May. Wow. All right. This is going to sound so mean. Okay. But like Megan, Megan is not my favorite. Megan is a lot is not a lot of people's favorite. And yeah. I, I find myself defending her quite a bit. So Okay, well you're gonna have I, to I, defend I, her right here because I feel like and this sounds awful to say because I understand that these are real humans and they're not I mean, I am kind of looking at them as royals, but like Kate, for example, she knew what she was marrying. Like it is truly a job. It's not yeah. like you know, us getting married and just like going living down the street and like our in-laws are annoying and they're making us, you know, wear our crowns. We can't wear them until after 6 p.m. Like how annoying. I want to wear it at noon. But like, it's a job. Like you, when you have to respect that, you have to respect the crown, you know. But Megan, I feel like she just doesn't. And I don't know. I don't know how to say that like nicely. I'm like, I guess my point is she knew what she was marrying so, so you're annoyed with kind of how I'm this annoyed is all with it, out. yeah. And like the whole Oprah interview really annoyed me. Um, I just yeah. feel like how disrespectful to not—I mean, to your husband's family, but like to the whole, the whole thing, the whole crown, the whole royal family thing. Mm-hmm. Like part of it is They're, like is oh gosh, kind of keeping secrets and keeping that to yourself. I mean, it's just like—I mean, would you get on Oprah and tell all of Jason's family deep, <laughs> darkest secrets? You know. When the whole world is watching and curious. I had that conversation with someone just the other day. And that, because I'm very much about, in our family, we call it table talk. Whatever is spoken about at the dinner table stays at the dinner table. You know, there's, you can be upset with your family, but it does not go beyond the the table. Mm-hmm. And so I, first of all, I, I should say that, everyone's entitled to have a voice, right? Everyone's entitled to say their piece. Was it the proper move to go on Oprah in front of a worldwide audience and, and air grievances from the family? I wouldn't have done that, you know, because that, that's not, that's not what I would have done that she's entitled to do whatever she wants, but that is not it. And, and then I said to my friend the other day that I was talking to, I said, what were they even, cause like if they had something to promote, like if they were there promoting one of their new Netflix projects or one of their, you know, their new podcast or whatever, and then they just happened to talk about the family, then that's one thing, but it didn't seem like they had anything to promote or say other than we want to talk about this and, and resolve or not resolve this family dispute on international television. Yeah. And, and and I mean, for me, like, I I think Oprah, like that's so American, that's so United States. Like that's not even like, we don't even get it. We don't even understand. Like we're just here for the gossip and the dirt. Well, and I even said, because so the Oprah interview happened and then we kept getting these updates from Gail King about, you know, the family talked, but uh, they were not productive conversations. And I even told Jessica, my co-host on Podcast Royal, I said, I don't want to hear any more updates 
anymore. Like I, I feel like a voyeur in this family drama. They should not be hashing this out on CBS this morning. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I need them to resolve this or not resolve this privately. Like even me as a royal commentator and royal reporter and someone who is obsessed with this, I don't want to hear this anymore. Like it feels icky now. And so I am prone to agree with you, Sarah, but it's her life. It's her truth. And also we have to remember that we put a lot of the blame on Megan, but this was actually at the end of the day, it was Harry's decision to leave. And so, you know, you talk about Margaret and how she's the rebel. Well, she's a rebel that, that ended up choosing duty. Harry's a rebel that ended up choosing love. So, you know, it's just, it's, they're both, they're both cut from the same cloth. They're both, they both tend towards rebel, but they just took different directions with it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think Margaret ended up being really quite unhappy in her life because she was a rebel that chose, that chose the family. Harry doesn't want that for himself. He wants to be happy. He wants to not just survive, but thrive. And so at the end of the day, who can we really fault for someone who's, you know, now sixth in line to the throne? He's never going to be king. So why rob him his happiness, you know? Well, I'm all about that. I'm like, go be happy. I mean, you can leave, but, like, you don't have to go on Oprah and then complain about what it. Like, take it so for? I, like, why I did they go point. on Oprah? Just to tell, like, why they left, basically. And, and like, um, you know, Megan talking about Kate made her cry at the wedding. Like, what bride doesn't cry at their wedding? <laughs> I mean, really my least favorite part of the interview. Like it's Megan's truth to share the mental health issues that she was going through. It's her, that's her truth. But, but the Kate part that just like, I was very turned off by that because that that's like that, that's family stuff. And like, you know what, like you said, what bride hasn't been stressed before her wedding and a sister-in-law or whoever, a mother-in-law hasn't made her, you know, just get emotional. And that's, that I think just, I I don't, I agree with you. I don't know if that was necessary. Yeah. And I mean, Kate probably was a, you know what to her. I'm sure she was really rude, but like, I've got three kids too. I know how stressful it is to get your three kids, especially if they've got to be in a wedding and then to top it off, it's like a Royal wedding with the whole world watching your children. Like I get it. Like you want your kids to like, you know, look right, make their clothes fit. Like, there's so much to it. Like, I understand. So, well, and you're bringing up a great point. And I think this is why the world is so fascinated with this family is because, yeah, sure, they may wear tiaras after 6 p.m. and have the crown jewels. But at the end of the day, the issues that they have in the family are the same issues that I have in my family and the same issues that y'all have in y'all's families. That's why we are so fascinated by this is because this is our family, except with millions of dollars and estates and castles and crown jewels. So that's why, like at the end of the day, this is a family. Yes, they work together. It is a business, but this is a family and that's why we're so compelled. So what are some interesting facts about the royal family that we don't know? Do you have any like inside things that we may not know? Well, Sarah, I feel like you know... (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't. I feel like that too. Oh my gosh. I mean, give me a, give me a subcategory. I I know. Like some sort of like hidden rules or something that we don't know about. Like, like the wearing the crowns after 6 p.m. Like, give me some facts like that. Yeah, so... 
So the queen has a lot of protocol. And and here's the thing. I Is there a rule book sitting around in Buckingham Palace with all of these rules listed somewhere? I don't think so. But because, like, example, the queen thinks that colored nail polish is is ostentatious and gaudy. So her favorite shade of nail polish is Essie Ballet Slippers, which retails for, I think, $9 at Walgreens. And so, which is, is interesting considering, you know, you think that, I don't know what kind of nail polish you think the queen would wear, but that's her favorite. And so because that's her preference, the women of the family are encouraged to adopt that. So there's no rule book that says you cannot wear red nail polish. But because the queen is setting the precedent, you're rarely, if ever, going to see Kate with anything other than clear polish, light pink polish. Um, the queen prefers pantyhose. She is a woman of a different generation. I cannot stand pantyhose, but because that is her preference, you will very often see, you will, you will rarely ever see the women of the family, like Kate, bare-legged, right? She'll have tights or she'll have pantyhose on. I'm sure that that's not Kate's preference, but yeah. that's because that's what kind of the protocol is. Um, there's just endless that like just the way they celebrate Christmas, for example, is so regimented. You were talking about them having German roots in German tradition. They open their presents on Christmas Eve. And, you know, I'm I'm all about the Christmas morning myself, but they they're just it's so regimented. And I think this is interesting about Christmas. I mean, that's why I'm like, give me a subcategory because I could go on forever with the interesting facts. But um <laughs> At Christmas Eve, when they show up at, at Sandringham, which is the estate in Norfolk, England, that they celebrate Christmas, there is an order to which people arrive. And so the most junior royals arrive earliest, and right before all the festivities start, Charles, who is the heir, arrives. And the queen and, and Philip, may he rest in peace, were, would have already been there for a couple of days. So Charles is the last to arrive because Charles is the heir. So in this family, you want to talk about family dynamics and like there being a like favored child. <laughs> I mean, like when you're the heir, that's why there are so many frustrations between the heir and the spare, because not only is there a, a child that's elevated above the others, but they don't even try to hide it, right? Like in most families, we're like, oh, yeah, well, Courtney's the favorite, but we don't like really say that. We just kind of, you know, just kind of understood. But like William is the heir. So William is, you know, treated differently than Harry. And anyway, just I, I mean, I could go on forever about interesting facts, but they just they they're very rule bound. And for someone that is a rule breaker, which I think Harry is a rebel, a rule breaker, Megan is, I, I feel like that would be very suffocating for mm-hmm. someone like that. My gosh. Yeah. This is There's so, much. so much to it. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite book on the Royals? Like if, we, like if someone didn't know much about the Royals and like wanted a crash course, what would they read? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love the Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown. So Tina Brown is a former um, editor in chief at Vanity Fair and she is brilliant. And the Diana Chronicles is such, it's juicy. Yes. It's I've juicy, heard about but this. it's yes. truthful. Yeah. So I would say the Diana Chronicles by Tina Brown, anything by Ingrid Seward. I've just been on like a huge Ingrid Seward kick. She's written biographies about Philip, William, Harry, Charles, 
everybody. Um, gosh, there's so many. Robert Lacey is good. Andrew Morton. Oh my gosh. How could I not have listed him at the very first? He wrote literally the book on Diana. So she actually helped him. It was a biography when it came out, but after she died, it was really revealed it was an autobiography because she contributed tapes to help write the book. So that's Diana, Her True Story by Andrew Morton. I could go on. There's so many good books. And if you're looking for like a less heavy read and just want to talk about fashion, Elizabeth Holmes came out with a really great book in November called HRH which really examines fashion diplomacy, which is what I was talking about earlier and how uh, the queen, Diana, Kate, and Megan, how their styles are different yet similar and how they all speak through their clothing. Mm, I think that's so cool. That, I love that. Mm-hmm. We could go on literally for hours and hours about this. But. Hours, yes, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think each royal member is like their own character. Like you could break for down sure. their whole their whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we like to do a popcorn round before we, before we wrap up. So are you in to play with us? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Who do you think has the best style? We were talking about fashion. Who do you think has the best style in the Royal family? Um, it's gotta be Kate. I mean, Kate has just, I don't think ever made a mistake. Um, I love Megan's style too, but she's not a working Royal anymore. So I'm going to go with Kate. I just, I can't get enough of her. And Sophie, Countess of Wessex. We should be watching her, too. Don't forget about Sophie. She's got classic style, too. All right. Who's always pulling out the biggest diamonds? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably, honestly, one of the royals that you've never heard of, like Princess Michael of Kent. But in terms of the royals you have heard of, I mean, the queen pulls out some pretty big diamonds. She... She's got some gorgeous tiaras that she wears, and she she shakes it up and wears wears them uh, wears different tiaras. So I love her jewelry. She always does a great job. Okay, clearly we've talked about Harry and Margaret being the most rebellious, but um, who who would you say in your study is the most rebellious? Well, I guess Harry, because he went on and did the dang thing, right, and and left the family. And Margaret pretty well ended up um, choosing duty. So I'd I'd have to go with Harry. Harry followed his heart. All right. Who's the biggest royal pain in the butt? (laughs) (laughs) Probably Andrew, right? Because he's got himself a sexual assault scandal on his uh, on him right now. So probably probably Andrew. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. What's that going? Oh, what's going Sarah, on with that? A, that is a whole other podcast. Andrew is on my out list. He's not great. What happened? He was in accused. This is none of this is you know in the court of law yet, but accused of being a friend of Jeffrey Epstein and uh, oh. having sex with an underage girl who was oh. seventeen at the time. That's right. That's probably a little too heavy for 9.21 in the morning on, say, a Southern podcast. But, yeah, I would say Andrew's my biggest royal pain in the butt right now. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. I forgot he was involved in that. Okay, who throws the wildest parties? Or not, who's well, the wildest been, at the parties? It would have been Harry back in the day. Harry? Harry back in the day, for sure. I mean, Harry had a time of it. Harry lived his life as a bachelor. I mean, you know, just... The, he had a great time. But, um, I mean, the Queen can throw a pretty good party. It's maybe a little more understated than Harry's yeah. <laughs> Las Vegas party or whatever. But, 
the queen can throw a great party. I wonder, do they have like after parties? Like they go to these fancy dinners oh, and like sure. it's so fun. Of and then is it like, hey, let's, let's, like, let's wrap up, let's wrap up here and like meet me back at the castle, you know? <laughs> no, seriously. So I'm thinking a lot about William and Kate's wedding and how, yeah, they had all the diplomatic stuff, the dinner, the lunch at Buckingham Palace, but they had a fantastic after party at Buckingham Palace where they apparently danced until 3 a.m. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm talking about. That's where I want to be, that mm-hmm. party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rachel, this has been so fascinating. I mean. I've had so much fun. Thank you so much for, I mean, I could talk royals all day, every day. So thank you for giving me a chance to hang out with you guys. Yes, well, we'll have to get on your podcast if you want to keep, Come on. <laughs> keep yeah, going. Sarah, Sarah would love to do that. I'm subscribing now. Well, <laughs> my co-host and I are both Southern women, so we are happy to have y'all. Love hey, it. tell tell everybody how to keep up with you and all the happenings of the Podcast Royal and then your Instagram and et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow all of my work at rachelbirchfield.com and the podcast is Podcast Royal and whatmeganwore.net. You can keep up with Megan's fashion and her work. So honored if y'all would join me on any of those platforms. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so Love much, Rachel. So nice. It's so nice to meet you. Thank y'all. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. All right, bye. Bye. Our partner, Renaissance Bank, believes in supporting women in the communities they serve. That's why they've launched a women's initiative called Rise with Renaissance. Rise's goal is to empower, inspire, and support women in every stage of life. Rise is powered for women by women. To learn more, visit risewithrenaissance.com. There's some of these podcasts where, you know, I feel like I'm very passionate and like, I'm like, oh, I'm in my wheelhouse. This is my, this is my world. But I've got to tell you, you, you went to another level on this podcast. (laughs) Totally dorked out. You completely (laughs) went, which is great. I mean, it's such a neat subject, you know, but I mean, yeah, you went, you went for it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because you always call me out about having passion about certain things (laughs) like, you know, world peace and things. And then you were like. I'm totally into this royal family. Yes. I always have been. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know. They just fascinate me. And I think it's because I love history so much. Yeah. And so this is like history on crack. And it's like happening right now. Like Mm -hmm. these family members. And like, I I don't know. I just think it's so interesting. Like why Harry's like he is. Yeah. And he gets it naturally. I mean, it comes from his family. Like it's, you know. It is interesting that it's happening in our lifetime because, I mean, that's the only, I mean, you know, that's, and there are other kings and queens in other places in the world, but this is the king and queen and the royal family that we, for whatever reason, we have so much privy to, all of their information, Mm -hmm. that it's like this storytelling being lived out in front of us. Yeah, yeah. But I think the difference is, like, I never, I never got into it, and, you know, I don't know if that's embarrassing for me or, or if it's like, I, I don't know. No, I don't think you're the only one that's not into <laughs> it. <laughs> but I, th- I think to growing up with boys, you know, like it just was my mother is not princessy at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it was kind of like respect. We respected the position, but I never got into like the story or the scandal or yes. anything like that. Only until I was like older. Mm-hmm. And even you were teaching me stuff yesterday when we were doing this. I was just like, wait, what? She did what? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. And I just think we don't have anything like that in America too. I think it's kind of sad that our history is like consists of buildings built in 1970, you know, know, like strip malls. Like that's our history. 
And so, well, I don't know, I think not I completely. Kind of, well, you know I what mean, I'm saying. Virgin- yeah, yeah. But for the most part, like I mean, in Jackson, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but I mean, think about it. We don't have any family like that. Like we have a president, yeah, and then but then they're gone, and then yeah. like JFK maybe uh-huh. would be like uh-huh. the equivalent of this, uh-huh. and that the whole family, the Kennedy family, yeah. Um, but other than that, like there's not there's nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I always felt that you know I've. I've traveled outside of America a couple of times, handful of times, and any time I come back, especially when we went to like Rome, you know, I mean, Rome is just like, I mean, yeah, Rome, <laughs> and there's like the Colosseum, you know, and you come back over here and you're like, Statue well, Liberty, Statue <laughs> <laughs> Liberty, no one speaks anything but English, yeah. like everybody there is like well traveled, yeah, <laughs> the Space Needle, um, so it. it yeah, it definitely is a, you feel a little green and naive mm-hmm. compared to all this heritage and history. But um, when do you think it started for you? Well, I can remember being a little girl and watching, you know, William and Harry. Maybe it was my mom. My mom must have done this. Like, Oprah had them on and stuff. But Princess Diana, to me, I remember, like, watching her yeah. as a child. I mean, like, she's the princess. And, you know, those boys, they were younger than I was, but I would just fascinating kind of like wow that he's going to be the king one day you yeah. know so i kind of remember all of that i mean i remember where she was when she died yeah rat party yeah <laughs> you like, remember where you were yes when, when she, she died. passed away when okay. i heard the news you know, okay yeah the fidel house in yeah. tennessee yeah <laughs> but um i mean so i think it's just kind of like i don't know just growing up with it maybe yeah but I don't think it was, like, consuming. I just thought it was fascinating. No. And now as I've gotten older, I know more of, like, the history and, like, the drama and the the dirt and so the like, lies okay. and the conspiracies and the... Uh, yeah. So just, you know, go with me here. The Crown on Netflix, is that depicting their life or is that... Because, you know, everybody's obsessed with The Crown. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't really watched that. Okay. I don't have any desire because it's more of like a movie. And I started but it. But is it, it about that? Slow. Yeah. It's supposed to be about Queen Elizabeth. Oh, okay. And, you know, her journey through all this. So if you're not at... What do you watch to, like, get your info? My favorite documentary that I've ever seen... Um, documentaries. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but my favorite one that I've seen so far has been, because it's short, is Elizabeth and Margaret. It's okay. on Netflix right now, and it's like an hour and a half. Oh. And it's so good, because I love Margaret. Uh-huh. So this kind of, it's all about Margaret and the sisters and their relationship. Interesting. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah. Anybody that has a sister or has daughters, you should watch it. Yeah. Just kind of to see that relationship, because you'll understand. No, I would love to now. I don't know. I just, while I was in that frame of my, that place, it just was never, I, it's like I knew that they were over there, and I knew, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I was like, they're going upon their royal proceedings, but I just never. Yeah. I mean, I just, because it was Deep the, the 10th anniversary <laughs> of, you know, their wedding, Kate Middleton. Oh, now just watch the wedding. No, I love all that. Yes, yes, but that's of course. I, that's it, well, I, I mean, I woke up to. I mean, I remember their wedding. Yes, like I had a baby, a newborn mm-hmm. baby, and I sat in there, and it was like four in the morning. Yes, and same. all the correspondence. I watched the wedding, did all that. I just don't know a lot of background. Is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, I just remember, you know, the and Pippa I'm here for the fashion. The, I got to be yeah, honest. I was say, talk yeah. about that with Pippa. Yeah, like remember she stole the show with her dress oh, and her butt. Everybody was talking about that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fact that she wore white. I remember that, and. And then a lot of the girls, which which Rachel was talking about it, were fascinators mm-hmm. to that instead of hats. And that whole yeah. 
Which you knew that was because it was before 6 p.m. Well, I did, I did not until know that. Rachel said that. Oh, no, I didn't know that either. Yeah. I didn't know you couldn't wear a crown or a tiara. Oh, no. Until, what, it was at 6 p.m.? Yes. Wow. That's, that's it. But I, I just long. have always been in love, though, with the U.K. Like, I, I don't know if it's the accent or just London or, like, I don't know. Just It just feels dreamy over there. Really? See, I don't feel that to way. To me, it does. Yeah. I have no desire. That's, like, not on my radar. At really? All. Mm-hmm. Even though I love the royal family, like I may do a swing by of the castle and be like, I was here. That's oxymoronic to me. Yeah. Okay, why? I don't know. It just seems cold and wet. Wet and rainy. But I think that's like people in Seattle. You know, you think it's cold and rainy, you get there. It's like the perfect weather. But it's like <laughs> so full of heritage. heritage yeah. yeah. I don't know. History. It's just not where I want to go. Yeah. I want to go to Spain. Yeah. Like that's what I want to do. Like if yeah. I had a trip to Europe, I'm going there. I want to yeah, go Yeah. So, France. yeah. No, I, no, no desire. Mm-mm. And, like, they don't have, I mean, fish and chips, drinking beer in an English pub. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't but that's excite just, me. I mean, but that's the whole thing of, like, when in Rome, like, experiencing yeah. the places. Well, I would you do, do it if I went there. Yeah, you go to the places to do the things. Yeah, but that's just not on my See, I, that's, that's, that's ironic to me, considering your, <laughs> your appreciation for <laughs> Very good. Very the good. royal family. Yes, yes, yes. So how do you become a royal expert? Like, that's kind of bananas, isn't, that isn't crazy? it? crazy? Yeah. From Birmingham. I know. I think it's interesting. She's never even been there. I know. Like, wow. that's some, She's a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> she's been recognized. Because it does seem like to become an expert, a royal expert, that, like, the queen would have to approve you or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it seems or like you have some somebody sort of... who works on the inside. Yes. Giving you all the information. Oh, that's right. Is that British or Australian? It felt a little Australian. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it is amazing to me, though, that we, we got to speak with someone who's a royal expert. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And she writes this whole blog, What Megan Wore. And I don't know if you've been on some on the page and seen some of the graphics, but it's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. And detailed. And, of course, okay, that's the part that I can get really passionate about is what they're wearing to things. <laughs> because I just, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. Like, who chooses that and why? And then, like... The part where she was, where Rachel was talking about how they self-express through their clothing. Yeah, I, I love so cool. that stuff. That's so cool. You See, know? I love the idea of the crown. Like, why are you wearing this? Because yeah. it mean because it was gifted. You know, has some sort of meaning behind it. Yes, I love all that. Yes, so exciting. So I wonder if like the public has access to that. I mean, are they seen out and about? Or are they just huddled up in their so. like how you know the castles? I think they're just behind the castle walls. And on these little cottages. All right, so behind the like castle they're not grocery walls, shopping. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're not like a modern-day L.A. celebrity. But yeah. I'm sure that they're followed by paparazzi. Yeah. I mean. Well, Prince Diana, that was her yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think they're going out like... Like in Nashville, you go to the grocery store, and you're lying behind, you know, Keith Faith Urban. Hill and Keith Urban. Yeah. And, you know, Nicole Kidman's walking around. Right. Um, and I don't know. It just feels like normal. I guess when you're in Nashville, you don't... Yeah. You got to play it cool. Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't think you'd ever see Kate Middleton, like, walking down the street. Okay, so behind the castle wall, though, I'm assuming there's tons of... Does everybody just, like, live in this commune? I think so. Okay. And, like, and it's, like, who has who... Which castle? Okay. And it depends on your birth order. Like, you get this castle because you're the firstborn, and you're going to be in the, you know, the castle that nobody wants the to go to. The lowly castle. <laughs> the lowly castle. You know. Oh, that was in good. The <laughs> that was good. Tea time. Children. Children. 
Come to the castle. Time to come in. Tea. Having tea. Tea time. Um, But you know what? Also, I thought it was interesting. I liked hearing her talking about the Oprah interview. Oh, yeah. Because I agree 100%. Like, I don't think, like she said, there was no reason for Megan to do all that. And I'm getting really passionate about it because I think it was awful of her to Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And I know Harry was sitting beside her and it's his family, but like. I, I mean, when you say her to do that, what is that? Well, sit there and like blame Kate made her cry on her wedding. Like, wah, wah, wah. Like, everybody <laughs> does. I mean, I just like, shut up. That's yeah. what I wanted to say. Yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah. I, obviously, everyone does. <laughs> but she's on Oprah. But I just don't think that's how that should have happened. Well, I mean, you don't want it to ever see Mari. I mean, Oprah turn into Mari. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just kind of like. I don't know. I, I mean, I would say that to you. If you sat down and told all your family's history at like on a TV interview, I'd be like, "Warning!" You would, tell me. I'd be you like, would definitely tell me. Get off the platform! Uh-huh. Like, turn the mic off! Like, no one needs to. Your family does not want you spilling their, you know, stories. Right. I mean, that's just like you don't do that. Well, and I think I would check my, you know, partner too, <laughs> and just be like, "Hey, dude, yeah, yeah. Every family's crazy, and we got our share of crazy." Mm-hmm. But guess what? You married me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And you took on my name. Yes. Yes. So you can't, you know, mm-hmm. you can't and, be spelling that out And if she wants to have a platform to discuss, you know, mental health or, that's great. But like, that doesn't mean you have to throw your family under the bus. I agree. And, and spill all the dirty secrets. Well, and the, at the end, this is what I always tell people. When the camera's cut off and the makeup person goes away... That's still your dadgum family. Yeah, you're still gonna go. And you still got birthday parties and funerals and junk to attend. Mm-hmm. And you better make sure the cousins like each other. Well, I don't you know think Megan's going back. Mm-mm. Ever? I don't think. I mean, if I was Kate and William, I'd be like, bye. Yeah. Here, you can come on home, bring the kids. But she, but leave your American wife at home. <laughs> okay, so just to clarify, though, for Prince William, Prince Philip, did they both go or just... No, she's very she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. She's right. right. That's right. That's right. That's just happened to work out. Yeah. Congrats on getting pregnant. You wouldn't have to <laughs> Good go. I mean, Megan. <laughs> oh, let me guess your ankles are swollen. <laughs> Can't fly. <laughs> Gotta wear compression stockings. Cry me a rib. <laughs> oh gosh. Wow. Well, well it's fun to hear all that. I know. Yeah. I know it's shocking to you it about the about <laughs> My um, lack of knowledge. I know, I know. But now you know. I do. And I think you should watch the Elizabeth and Margaret. I think you'd enjoy that one. I would. Am I more Elizabeth or am I more Margaret? Ooh. Mm. Is that is probably that- more Elizabeth? I think if you were in that position, I think you'd take Elizabeth's role. You'd step up and be like the royal leader. This is my family. I got it. You would live in Essex with Margaret, wouldn't you? I would love to, but I do think I'd probably step up like Elizabeth, though. I agree. And be like, nope, this is how we have to do it. Oh, you would. I'm the queen now, baby. would (laughs) own that. Sisters. Privilege. Take the back seat. (laughs) You've kind of done that already, dude. Yeah, I kind of have. But but Margaret, I love her. I think she's just so beautiful, and her life was just, I mean, it was so sad. But at the same time, I'm like, good for you. Yeah. She went and lived. Anyway, you got to watch it. Listen, if anybody wants to continue this conversation in our DMs with Sarah, just (laughs) earmark it when you do, and she will... She'll go down the uh-huh. she'll go down the hall with I'd you. Love to talk about this. Movie. It was fun to talk to Rachel. Yeah. I mean, what a fun departure from regularly scheduled programming. That's right. She was awesome. Getting that royal fantasy. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.